Welcome to today's episode of ICRA Exclusive, a podcast by Remodel Health. We're here to guide you through the complex world of health insurance and tell you everything you need to know about individual coverage health reimbursement arrangements. Whether you're a health insurance novice or a seasoned pro, get ready to revolutionize the way you view healthcare. Welcome to the ICRA Exclusive Podcast. My name's John Staub. I will be your host today. I'm over here on the team at Remodel Health. We have been helping employers and brokers all the way back since 2016 innovate with strategies to help with health insurance. And ultimately, we believe in bringing education and inspiration along the way. There are lots of incredible things to learn about when it comes to health insurance. And I say incredible because I know most of the time these are brokers listening to this. But if you're an employer as well, you are more than welcome to keep learning with us. Today in the studio, I have a really special guest. His name is TJ Witham. And as we prepared for this podcast, I've been really grateful to already just learn more from him. If you've listened to any of of my content or us at Remodel, I'm a learner who helps others learn. And TJ is going to help all of us learn more today. TJ, thanks so much for coming into the studio. Really, really appreciate it. Nice to have you here. Thanks, John. I'm super excited to be here and I learn a lot from you as well. So it's definitely a joint learning going both ways. You are very kind. Thank you for the encouragement there. So TJ, let's talk about your background because, you know, with the brokers that are listening today, they come from all different types of stories. I don't know that any of us expected to get into health insurance. Maybe some of us, I know there's some really great heritage out in the insurance space where there are uh, you know, children who then inherit a book of business or, or purchase a book from a family member. But in general, I think most of us in insurance did not expect to get into it. And so um, you know, where you came from is a really, really cool story that a lot of us will resonate with. And then uh, for our listeners, uh, I've got a, a set of questions to to ask TJ from his uh, really incredible experience on, on something called captives that I'm still learning about, um, as well as carve outs uh, through ICRA and, and all this. So that's kind of where we're going. But for now, TJ, give us your background. Tell us your story of how you found your way into health insurance. Yeah, I love that. I did not think I was going to be in health insurance. Um, if you would have asked me as a <laughs> 23-year-old young professional that got my start actually at Salesforce, a company that many are familiar with. Yeah. Um, was there for for three and a half, four years and um, happened to uh, join a small health tech company, also headquartered out of Indianapolis, Indiana, where we're headquartered at Remodel, called Springbuck. So um, left Salesforce to go join. I was employee number 13. Wow. For a company that um, had not yet reached a million dollars in recurring revenue and got to be their, uh, one of their first um, sales professionals to, to go out and, and work with broker partners to bring, it was a health analytics solution for self-funded groups um, to market. Okay. And um, yeah, it was an incredible ride. We scaled from from less than a million to over 15 million in annual recurring revenue in my wow. four years there and wow. and um, had a, made a lot of great partnerships, worked with a ton of awesome partners, brokers, but also like on-site clinics and captive partners and a lot of different partners kind of in the health insurance sphere um, that we were able to work with and, and do some business together. And it was it was a it was a great, great part of my career that I look look back on super fondly. And Springbuck still 
doing well um, in the marketplace. Yeah. So analytics in healthcare, obviously the better data we have, the better decisions we can make. Talk to us about this concept of self-fundedness just in general. I know we're going to drill down on, you know, you already mentioned captives, very, very curious on your experience there, but let's pull back just for self-funded in case there are some people listening and learning with us today that are are less familiar with the concept of what is self-funded versus partially self-funded versus fully insured and all these different things, just answer the question about self-funded and then specifically how you saw data help those self-funded plans. Yeah, so it was incredible. So the the, the number one thing I love to talk about about self-funding is most people don't know what it is. Um, when you talk about self-funding a health plan, when I talk to my neighbors, my family, they're like, self-funding, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah. well, actually what that means is that the company, the employer becomes the insurance company. They own the risk. They are self-funding their plan and paying claims that happen within their population. Now they have vendors that operate as the the TPA or the administrator okay. um, of the plan, and you leverage the administrator's network um, to offer um, to to your to your population. But yeah, I mean, self funding is basically just the employer saying we want to bear the risk and make claims on um, the the claims that happen throughout the year within the health plan. Okay, and they have decided based on all these really fancy math calculations that they're going to be able to actually spend less doing this model than getting just your kind of normal group plan? Correct. They feel comfortable enough with the risk of their population that they are willing to, to jump in and say, okay, we're going to pay the claims. That said, they, they, they're, when you self-fund, you're also buying stop-loss insurance. Okay. So when catastrophic type claims happen, you're not on the hook for all of the the cost of those claims and you can buy stop loss at all kinds of different levels. So there is that um, stop loss insurance that's, that's purchased by self-funded employers. But yeah, up to a certain amount, the employer is paying the claims that happen uh, within the health plan during the plan. Year. So on a good year, you're actually, you'll, you'll be under on your expected projection on a bad year. You'll hit that stop loss. And I'm assuming that anyone who's filed a claim with health insurance on any product, you know, your homeowners, your car insurance, anything, when you have to hit your stop loss, that's probably not good. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. I mean, so stop loss, you, you buy it in, there's two different um, types of stop loss. So there's individual stop loss that you purchase, which that's for each individual person that's enrolled in the health plan. And that could be up to maybe you buy a stop loss policy where the employer pays the first $25,000 of claims for that person, but $25,001 and on, the stop loss carrier is on the hook and okay. they pay those claims. And then there's aggregate stop loss where it says, okay, if your group as a whole um, hits $2 million of claims, then after um, after that, then the stop loss kicks in. So there's individual stop loss and then aggregate. And yeah, those are being purchased um, by, by self-funded employers. Excellent. Thank you for that definition on self-fundedness, self-insurance. And for many of you listening, I know that was basic, but I do think it's important as we now, I want to talk about that stop loss and its connection to this concept of captive. Uh, TJ, thanks for the prep getting into this recording right now, because I was not fully aware of the nuance of this concept of captive. So break it down for me and show me how you interacted with this concept of, of captives and, and self-fundedness and how you use data to really make an impact in that space. 
Yeah. So I, I love this idea of captives because what it allows for is for employers that have the the desire to go self-funded, but they're, they're small. Um, typically, you see self-funding in larger type organizations. Well, in certain states, you see companies as small as 20, 30, 40 employees that want to go self-funded. Um, but many times that's just scary because you've got such a small amount of employees. Um, it just can be somewhat intimidating. So it, it can make more sense to join other employers that are of like size and of like risk profile. And you you all join together and you purchase the stop loss insurance as one bigger group of multiple employers. Okay. Um, and you can take advantage of kind of buying as a group. Um, and then if that if the captive operates well, and employers that are within the captive do a great job of managing the the health and risk that they can. Um, and there's excess left at the end of the year uh, on top of premiums. That that money goes back to the employers that are part of that captive. So you're paying a level amount going into the year, and then as a captive group, all of these employers, if you're under, then you'll get a, a slight refund on what you paid in. Yep, that's exactly right. And most captives have certain requirements to join. Like you've got to. Um, deploy certain types of chronic care management type programs. If you want to join the captive, there's set um, things that the employers have to do if they want to join these captive cells so that all employers are working together to contain the, the cost that they can contain within that, that broader population. So you're bringing up a point that I was curious on. If it is going to be very difficult perhaps to get in because they're going to screen you, then are, do they also reserve the right to remove you from the captives if something doesn't go well after you know a certain amount of time? Yep. I mean, every year the, the risk is reassessed for each employer. Um, and there's always that risk that uh, an employer would be moved out of the captive um, in certain scenarios. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And another topic that you have brought up to me that you've become very excited about with individual coverage, health reimbursement arrangements. I'll call it ICRA here just to save us the mouthful, but with ICRA and the way you can design and strategize or perhaps even carve out using ICRA, you, you've referenced that that's exciting pursuant to this idea of your experience with captives. Before we go into the ICRA carve out strategy that you were referencing to me during our prep, I want to go back and talk to me about what are some of the other strategies inside of both self-funded and captives. You referenced uh, perhaps, well, referenced base pricing is maybe sometimes a strategy that can work. I want to hear pros and cons on that, as well as just what you did with Springbuck, specifically using data. Yep. I love data. I love leveraging high quality data and actionable items. So Talk about reference-based pricing first. Uh, give us a brief introduction and how you've seen that work and not work. Yeah. So I, I actually um, got to work with one stop loss um, partner that offered captives that required um, the implementation of Springbuck if you joined this RBP reference-based pricing captive cell. Wow. So I, I had to learn just to, um, through that experience. But yeah, reference-based pricing... Uh, what I've seen is it, it, it can tend to work well, really well in this captive cell, uh, particularly in rural areas where there are only a handful uh, or maybe one main facility or provider. And you're able to do uh, a broker is able to, to negotiate certain types of agreements with that provider 
um, that allows for this concept of of reference based pricing or balanced billing to work um, for employers that kind of fit that mold that are based in this rural location where you can have a direct contract with a um, a facility um, to, to to make that work. Now, if you if reference based pricing is complicated and it does not work for many many employers, um, okay. so they were very selective in what groups they would kind of let in and let out of that that RBP captive cell okay. um, that I that I got to work on. Yeah, is the reference generally some sort of multiple on Medicare pricing or what is the general framework for those references? Yeah, usually it's a it's a multiple. Okay. That makes sense to me. I have heard in my experience with both employers and brokers alike just mixed reviews on reference-based pricing, not so much in its endpoint function. It if you get it installed correctly and you use it and you have access to the right healthcare at the right networks, that's great. But I have also heard that if there is a particular hospital that then is used to a certain amount of revenue yep. inside the community, it can sometimes cause community friction because they are having to simply take a hit due to the negotiation. Perhaps that's a straw man's theory, but I've just, I've heard mixed reviews Nonetheless, so yep. reference-based pricing, perhaps good, perhaps not, but let's talk about data now and the way that you've seen leveraging data was very helpful to make a difference on claims that then impacts premiums and overall costs. Yeah. So Springbucks whole, uh, when I was there, the, the whole value proposition was as a self-funded employer, you are the insurance company. The The claims data is, it's your data as the employer. And Historically, so when you go self-funded, you hire a TPA and that TPA has canned 60, 70, 80 page reports that they deliver to you once a month, once a quarter, depending on how big you are, what that frequency looks like. That sounds like a lot of data. It is. It's a lot of information. And like, think of most still operating like a printout where it's <laughs> it's a PDF or it's a printout and you're looking through and it, it has really good information in it. But if you have, if you're a broker or if you're an, a, an employer and you've got questions on further questions that aren't covered in that report, it's you go back to the TPA, you make a request, they send it to their analytics team. Maybe they get back to you in two or three weeks with your answer. Well, that sp spawns another question that you've got. And it's, yeah. you don't have control to do what we expect in the modern age of real time. Like, let me open up a SaaS platform and add filters and start to answer my own questions with my own data, which sure. was the the pitch of Springbuck of, yeah. hey, you hire us, we'll take in all the claims data from your TPA, we'll cleanse it, we'll normalize it, and then we will make all of that data and then some other kind of predictions and analytics we we did on the data available to you as the broker and as the employer, and you can self-serve. Yeah. And you can monitor the success of chronic care management and uh, investments you make, wellness programs, all the different things that self-funded employers are putting in place, ideally to manage cost. Yeah. So um, uh, that's great. Yeah. You know, preventative care as added in by the Affordable Care Act, it has been proven to really help reduce total cost. If you actually go in and you get screened for something early enough, you can get treatment earlier than when it escalates. And it makes sense that if you're actually being proactive with your health, then against actual data, then you can really make a difference. That said, even if you're able to make changes within 
the data, make predictions and try to, you know, be proactive with your preventative care and all of this. The reality is healthcare costs are still going up. And so at the end of the day, especially if you have a handful of very acute or chronic cases year over year, that can really mess up your overall premiums. And then again, hit that stop loss. So I want to transition us now into the next solution that we really do see working year over year over year since it was first introduced back in 2020 is when individual coverage health reimbursement arrangements came on the scene. I know that the data this past year was 171% growth year over year with applicable large employers, which all of your experience you've been talking about today are large employers. So you've been in this space a long time talking with brokers and you know, you're learning about ICRA for the first time and you discover this great solution of carving out and strategizing. Talk to me about this because brokers need new tools. They've probably talked about captives. They probably talked about reference-based pricing and getting really good data to make a difference. And perhaps there are groups that they have right now that still need more. So talk about ICRA and carve-outs and how you've seen that become a new option for so many brokers. Yeah, I love, the thing I love about the ICRA is that we're working with broker partners and every day it's the, we're saying, hey, bring us your most challenging unhealthy groups. And those are the ones we want to run an ICRA analysis on to see if this solution makes sense. And oftentimes it's a pretty, pretty, pretty compelling business case and and financial case for, for the ICRA. So TJ, that sounds a little too good to be true. If I'm a broker listening, you're telling me that it's good to bring my unhealthy group. And obviously I know this TJ and you know this, but let's really drill down in here because I know that some brokers are maybe going to roll their eyes and they've heard this before. Uh, Let's break it down. I'm really excited to hear you, you, you share how this works. Yeah, I mean, so at the end of the day, it's, it's this whole concept of we're, we're disbanding traditional group insurance and we're taking advantage of the legislation that went into effect in 2020 and we're able to offer pre-tax contribution dollars as the employer to then allow my employees to go shop for individual plans in the individual marketplace. Okay. Um, and those individual plans are guaranteed issued plans. So there's no medical underwriting that goes into um, those plans. So if you're a hundred person employer and you've got, and I'm working with one of these in the St. Louis area right now, 100 employees, they've got two hemophiliacs within their population. Wow. And they're fully insured today, and they they just had a significant rate increase, and they're likely going to get that every year going forward. Um, and and th- it seems like there's no solution. Yeah. Except the ICRA, um, because they're able, they, they're still able to offer really rich plans through the individual marketplace, but that are guaranteed issued, and then they can still contribute they have a rich contribution where they're they're given employees they're paying ninety percent of employee premiums and seventy wow. percent of dependents and they can still leave that contribution strategy in place um, to offer these individual plans to their population when it seems like there's there's no other good solution. Yeah, I want to speak into the individual marketplace. That is something that I specialize in, TJ. So thanks for teeing me up there. The individual marketplace for those of you who then 
may further be rolling your eyes. I get it. This is insurance and there you've probably heard every option out there and you're like, these guys are just saying the next thing. So the reason why guaranteed issue can work have to do with the law of large numbers, which you know, most people would think you're self-defeating. Why you have a large group, it's a hundred people, but on the individual marketplace, you have millions of people that are all that are all sharing these costs. And so if you actually apply the ratio of negative events against the healthy population over the course of time, as you add in people, the ratio actually improves and it doesn't get worse. So that's in case, you know, there are people out there right now, TJ, curious on wait, okay, it doesn't help the cost overall. Indeed, it actually does. And so now that we've you know, we're leveraging a way bigger population to stabilize those premiums. And because, you know, you referenced the, the ICRA starting in 2020 tax free dollars from the employer to get onto these guaranteed issue plans. Now let's talk about strategy and let's talk about how are you allowed to give dollars and who do you give it to and, and who has to have it and all that kind of the strategy and the carve outs and all of that. You've got some great thoughts. Yeah, I think something that I've loved in the last couple of months is I'm having more and more conversations with uh, brokers in the marketplace that are getting creative with how they leverage ICRA. So um, brokers that have cases where that's a thousand employees that's on a self-funded plan, um, and maybe we've got 900 employees in the state of Utah, uh, and and we've got 100 in this plant in Louisiana. Well, there 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 may be significant risk in the population within Louisiana that that's making it challenging when it comes to stop loss renewal year after year. Well, with the ICRA, you can offer what's called a carve out, so we can maintain a self funded plan for a portion of the population, and it has to be approved classes. So I won't go too deep into what those classes are. I think we've covered that in some previous episodes. But one of the classes you can that's an approved class is the rating location. So we can actually offer the self-funded group health plan to the Utah population of 900, and then we can class out and offer the ICRA to the Louisiana population in the manufacturing plant. Um, and they can run side by side so long as we're not offering um, the group plan and the ICRA to the same class. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. And th there are 11 different ICRA classes and then even subsets within that, which can feel pretty confusing right away. Uh, TJ, shameless plug, you are listening to the ICRA exclusive podcast by Remodel Health. We actually have built out great software to to help accommodate these sorts of strategies. And you use the word creative, which is a, a fascinating word to use in insurance, but it, it truly allows these levers that employers get to decide what matters to them, what matters to their employees, and then design it accordingly. I want to drill down more into this idea of of carving and designing a concept across state lines. That makes total sense. You've got two different states, one thing for a certain group of people, one thing for another. And then back to the hemophiliac concept, a very expensive, very expensive condition, year over year, nonstop. If you're self-funded, you'd often get a laser on it or something like that. So your suggestion then would be for if there's a broker listening right now and they want to maybe test the waters for what this looks like, you would recommend 
classing that individual to a guaranteed issue plan. Talk talk more about the idea of of how do you get that group and what are the best steps for a broker to take when they're kind of evaluating the best strategies. Yeah. So I, I would never say it, the ICRA is always going to be the best fit. Yeah. What what I do recommend though is in those scenarios as we're thinking creatively to bring the best solution to my client as a as a broker if, if we have a case that fits that mold of what we just described, we should always go run the numbers and do the ICRA analysis and see, okay, what would it look like to offer these guaranteed issued plans to this subset of my population um, compared to continuing to buy stop loss and leave that segment on this, the self-insured plan? And then based on that analysis, um, we can provide those those options to our client for for the client to make the decision that they believe is best for their population. Yeah, that's a brilliant answer. One of the strategies I've seen is executives really still loving their group plan, their traditional group plan, but realizing that it pigeonholes their entire support workforce because the plan is maybe those expensive gold plans and the support staff maybe doesn't have the resources themselves or the company can't contribute too much and turning that group plan for that subset into dollars they get to spend on a plan that means the most to them. Yep. So that that is just been an incredible experience of hey, you now no longer just get that bare minimum 50% of employer you know, or employee only and you have to take care of your whole entire family by themselves. So you're saying you can strategize even, you know, with executives and support staff where your support staff can get an improved shopping experience and budgeting. Um, talk, talk to me. How have you heard employees respond to this? Have, have you seen positive things? Is it seem just like the next gimmick? What What's your experience so far from the broker to the employer into the employee experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and anytime there's change there's hesitancy mm. and um, employees can ma maybe be concerned about change. But at the end of the day, um, once you get over the change and employees actually understand, oh, wow, I've got this budget amount now that my employer's giving me and I can go choose from 50 to up to 100 different plans that are available to me in my area versus the two to three to four traditional group plan options that I had before, maybe a PPO and, a, and an HSA, yeah. um, high deductible health plan. Empo a lot of employees love that. Yeah, they like the option to to go shopping and figure out how they want to spend that dollar amount that their employer is giving them, and then whatever they have to put on top to buy the plan that fits their situation the best. Yeah. Um. So I think initially there's some hesitancy, hesitancy and concern, but um, and a lot of times employees are super thankful to have a lot more choice. Yeah. Um. When an ICRA is offered. Yeah. Leveraging the consumer of the employer is going of the employer and the employee their families is is very valuable it certainly is different and health insurance is scary healthcare costs are scary they're expensive so it certainly makes sense but you know kind of landing the plane today on on our episode the reality is you got to have technology you got to have a software but it's not just about software we we know that health insurance it's about people and you're, it's for people and it needs to be connected to people. Uh, there's a lot of math. There's a lot of shopping, a lot of numbers. But at the end of the day, you got to have the right team and the right tool. So what's the first step 
TJ, that the broker that is listening for the first time today, what do they need to do? Uh, you know, what group are they bringing and how do they learn more about ICRA and specifically these strategies you're talking about? Yeah, I, I always say that the, the best first step is once you have a group that kind of fits the mold of what we've talked about today. So your unhealthy group, the group that you've struggled to bring solutions to, to maintain cost. Um, send us at Remodel Health, send us a census and a current summary of their, their current group plan if they offer one. And we would love to do just an ICRA analysis that's not no pressure and just run the numbers and kind of walk you through what that would look like, um, if it's a financial win, what some of the quality of, of plans look like in the area that their employees reside in, and, uh, and really just kind of walk you through your first one. And then once you get more and more comfortable with it, I think that you get an ear for in your book of business and maybe the prospects that you're talking with for new business opportunity of what types of clients fit the ICRA mold. Um, and you'll, you'll, you'll quote ICRA more and more as you get more and more of an ear of kind of what a good client for ICRA looks like. Yeah. Giving brokers more tools is going to help them serve their clients better and ultimately serve the families that all these brokers represent. TJ, thank you so much for being here. Grateful to have you part of the team. Uh, brokers, if you're out there right now and you're listening, you can go to Remodel Health dot com slash brokers b-r-o-k-e-r-s remodelhealth.com slash brokers sign up just fill out the form we'll get you the information you'll get connected over here with tj and the team to make sure you get to learn in the context of a real group there's a lot to learn and we're here to help you learn and ultimately to help every single step along the way. We don't have time today to go into the way we white glove service every single step of this and we help even down to the family and the employee level, but we'll get into that in future episodes of the ICRA exclusive podcast. Thanks for joining us today and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about ICRA, visit remodelhealth.com.